Let's talk about your last patient. The last patient is a 58-year-old female with adenocarcinoma of the lung, and she had been previously in excellent health and had a 40-pack year smoking history, and then started coughing, mostly at night, had a chest x-ray, which was initially interpreted as pneumonia, which we see not infrequently. She was treated with antibiotics and had some slight clinical improvement, but didn't clear completely. A CT scan was then done, and that showed a right lower lobe pulmonary nodule. This is one patient that had a fine needle aspiration, but it revealed uh, clearly adenocarcinoma. It was TTF1 positive. We did a bone scan, which showed no evidence of metastatic disease. CT scans revealed the mass, along with right hilar and mediastinal adenopathy, suggestion of contralateral mediastinal disease. And a PET scan showed the strong focus in the right posterior lung base and very extensive hypermetabolic right hilar, right peritracheal, and pericarinal activity in the mediastinum. An MRI of the brain was done, which revealed six very small enhancing foci bilaterally in frontal and parietal lobes. When she came to see me, despite this, she had a cough, but said she felt quite well. So she had her brain irradiated? She had her brain irradiated. The initial plan was to do gamma knife on these. This was discussed. They have a gamma knife conference where they decide if it's appropriate, and it was ultimately decided to give her whole brain irradiation. So then what was the next step? So the rest of her disease, as far as we could tell, besides the brain, if we eliminated the brain, was stage 3 disease, probably 3B, though we weren't clear. But I certainly felt that she was not a surgical candidate. And she came in to see me very optimistic, wanting everything done and wanting to be cured. And I think she got some of this from her pulmonary specialist who felt that this was potentially curable. She had a spouse and family? She's married, has no children, and works in an office, and continues to work up until the present time. So she comes to you asking for a cure. How did you respond? We had a very long discussion at the beginning, and keep in mind that I was just first meeting this woman and trying to establish some rapport with her, and was trying to, in a way, satisfy her feelings, or at least empathize with her feelings and work with them. But at the same time, trying to do what was reasonable under the circumstances. So I told her that we would try to do whatever we could. Of course, I don't take away people's hope, and I told her that it's not impossible that she could be cured, but that generally people with multiple brain metastases are not cured of this disease. But we settled on treating her as a stage three. Since she had very small brain metastases, I thought it was possible these could be controlled for a long time. And so we treated her with concurrent chemoradiation. What chemo? For her, I used bevacizumab, carbopaclitaxel. Again, she wanted the best. Giving radiation therapy, I don't use carbopaclitaxel that much in general, but I do use it with radiation. So we decided to treat her with bevacizumab, carbopaclitaxel. I initially started her on just the carbopaclitaxel, for three courses while she was getting the radiation because I, even now, I'm not clear on the interaction of bevacizumab and radiation therapy. And I've spoken to radiation therapists who can't help me answer that question. 
So she got three courses of carbopaclitaxel with concurrent radiation therapy. And then we decided to add bevacizumab to the regimen. So instead of just limiting it to four, I gave her a total of six courses, the last three courses having bevacizumab with carbopaclitaxel. How long was it since she had the radiation of the brain when she got the bevacizumab? It was after she got that. I don't remember exactly, but it was weeks after. So then what happened? She had a partial response, and I then decided to follow it with bevacizumab maintenance. But she only received two courses of bevacizumab maintenance before progression. At the time of progression, I started her on erlotinib, which she received for seven months, but then progressed again. I did not get an EGFR mutation on her at that point, being that it was second-line therapy. She has been on pemetrexid now for about eight months and has been doing well on it. She has really no change in symptoms, although her cough, it's hard to completely evaluate her cough because sometimes she'll come in and say her cough is worse, and then a couple of weeks later, cough's okay, and then maybe it's worse. So that's always been a problem for me. We just restaged her. She actually had her CAT scans on the Friday prior to the Monday where Ron met her with me, and her CT scans last week showed progression. So what are you thinking about next? Well, I don't have much choice. The real issue was whether or not to present it to her to discuss her progression with Ron there, who was a stranger to her, and how to handle that. We decided between the two of us that it would probably be best to just kind of do a regular visit and see where she took it. She knew she had the CT scans, and I was afraid that she was going to bring it up at that point, and she did. And we sat and spoke to her, presented the fact that there was progression, and it went actually very well. She took it very well. She's the kind of woman who is, at this point, fairly similar to how she was at the beginning. She wants to be cured if possible. I think she's beginning to understand that that's a remote possibility and not something realistic. And my next choice of therapy was docetaxel. So, Ron, just looking back over this case, you know, the whole point of this series really is to get into individualized oncology. You got a 58-year-old woman who's kind of grabbing you by the lapel saying, I want you to do everything you can. I'm sure that is different than, you know, maybe another patient, another situation, what are your thoughts about what's happened up to this point? Well, I think that what Bob did initially was exactly the right thing to do. I think he gave her good therapy for her advanced lung cancer in the form of carboplatin paclitaxel with the planned addition of bevacizumab. He was appropriately cautious in when he introduced bevacizumab to allow an adequate interval after the completion of successful whole brain radiation therapy and wanted to avoid giving the bevacizumab concurrently with the radiation therapy to the lung. There's only a small amount of safety information on that. And so adding the radiation therapy to the carboplatin paclitaxel is an aggressive approach for a patient with stage 4 lung cancer, but in this case, the only aspect of the metastatic disease were the brain mets that hopefully were eradicated, and as you said, Dr. Love, we've got a young woman who wants everything possible done. So I think Bob did that, you know, and really treated her as the exception for a stage four cancer patient with curative intent. He added in the bevacizumab successfully, 
after the first two cycles of carboplatin paclitaxel, and then after confirming and achieving a good response, went on to bevacizumab maintenance. Could I just ask, how did she do on the bevacizumab, Bob? Any hypertension, nosebleeds, or any problems like that? Oh, she didn't have any problems at all. Anything else, Ron, about her course? Well, we talked about then the second-line treatment option because, you know, given her history of adenocarcinoma, pemetrexid is a strong favorite for best treatment at that juncture. But Bob offered her erlotinib. And this is one of those patients that, in his judgment, needed a chemotherapy break. And so giving her erlotinib and following her closely was a thoughtful thing to do for this individual patient she, in fact, remained on erlotinib for a nine-month period during which disease remained relatively stable before being switched to pemetrexid, to which she had some response and was on pemetrexid for about five to six months. And now with disease progression, the only standard option left with some efficacy is docetaxel. Any impressions, Ron, about her as a person? You saw her at a very difficult moment finding out she had progressive disease. Yeah, and, you know, Bob's an outstanding bedside physician. You know, we were both standing in the room, and clearly she wanted to know the results of the CT scan, and so he immediately got a chair and sat down to be at her eye level because she was sitting in a chair, and it changed the temperature of that room immediately. And, you know, I took a step back to let him talk to his patient about a very difficult new finding on CT scan and discuss the new directions that they would have to go in. It's really amazing. You know, we surveyed oncologists, Bob, and asked them, how often do you tell a patient their cancer is getting worse? And it's incredibly common. You know, I don't know, how often do you say you go through that experience, Bob, in a week or a month? Oh, well, it's probably at least two or three or four times a week. It's very common. And I think it never really gets easier. I think it's always a new experience. I think you learn a few tips, like sitting in a chair and looking people in the eye and you know, and trying to gauge where their thoughts are and listen to what they're saying. But it's always a different person you're talking to. It's maybe a different situation you know, if you're discussing it with third or fourth line therapy that's remaining, you know the situation is not so good, the patient's worn out, and you don't know quite what to expect. So it's always a new experience every single time, and I think you just have to do it. It's part of what we do. It's part of the art of medicine, as Ron alluded to. It never gets easier, but I think it's very important that we don't duck our responsibility and try to gloss over things that are really the truth. Patients really deserve us being truthful with them and honestly telling them what's happening and what our limitations are and what we can do for them. Was her husband with her today? No, her husband does not come in with her. I think I may have seen him once, but she comes in by herself. She's very independent. I have asked her in the past, actually, to bring her husband or somebody else with her. And she says, no, it's not necessary. I do everything myself. And you can tell she's a very independent person. So final question to both of you, I'll start with Ron, which I always ask when we do these things, which is, what was it like to do this today, Ron? This was a great experience for me, and I very much appreciate Bob letting me into his world, letting himself be exposed in this manner, and he's a confident clinician. He's working at a very high level as a general oncologist oncologist 
to have made some of the treatment decisions he made in these patients with lung cancer, an area that is rapidly evolving, was very impressive. He is clearly putting in an extraordinary effort to keep up with some of these rapidly moving changes in optimal management of patients with lung cancer. So it was a great pleasure to be allowed behind the curtain and into his world and see him interact with his patients. What was it like for you, Bob? I have to admit that I was a little nervous about this, having someone who was an expert, somebody I know and greatly respect, come in and look over my shoulder at things I've done. But nervous, but I wasn't worried about it. I mean, I think that I practice good medicine. I also know that many cases fall between the cracks of what is considered standard therapy and what's recommended. You have to individualize therapy. So those are the cases that make you a little nervous even when you're first presenting it to the patient because not being an expert, not seeing strictly lung cancer, I don't always know what I don't know about it. And it's really nice to have somebody come into the office and say, this is a reasonable thing to do. And at the same time, Ron had some criticisms, and I'm very appreciative of hearing those criticisms because it really helps me focus on the things that I don't know. So it was an invaluable experience for me. And I must say the patients seem to get a lot out of it as well. I've seen about two or three of the patients since Monday, and they've all said they thought it was a very good experience for them also.